Welcome back to another edition of the Edge Podcast. Publisher Brendan Slaughter here for BeaversEdge.com. Joined by Beaver's Edge writer and KEGO radio host TJ Matthewson. We're back with another edition of the Edge Podcast. Oregon State has its bowl destination taken on the Florida Gators in the Las Vegas Bowl on December 17th. Beaver's Edge will be there bringing you guys live coverage. But we wanted to get into all the news and notes that uh, has kind of uh, percolated up with the uh, Oregon State football team these last couple days. And uh, here next week, we'll be getting uh, deep, taking a deep dive rather into the bowl game and the Florida Gators at large. But TJ, welcome back to the pod, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm, you know, short a trip to Vegas, unlike you, but <laughs> I assume you will go there and have all the fun I would have in Vegas without me. You'll, you'll do it for me. I, oh, think. TJ, I think you'll do a I, good job. If you didn't have to work, man, I, I'd have you be there in a heartbeat, too. So it's like, you know, I, I could use your company down there for sure, but we'll, we'll be OK. It's, we'll it's be okay. really it's it's a good bowl destination to, like, go to. It's just so right. many hotel rooms. And I, I honestly, you know, like I'm 24, like Vegas yeah. is sound. Vegas. The, the concept of Vegas is yeah. is, is awesome. Yeah. It really yeah. is. It, it has everything yeah. you need for, yeah, for as, a weekend. Yeah, TJ, and you know, again, for a uh, uh, for yeah, like you said, for a person in their twenties, it's you know, I, I no complaints. Like I said, it was a uh, you know, airfare, which I'm sure Beaver fans have kind of talked about uh, all the way around, seemingly jumped hundreds of dollars in about a span of like four hours. But for those Beaver fans who get to go, it's going to be an awesome experience. And uh, again, next week we'll be getting more into the Florida Gators, kind of diving into that matchup, but. Just to kind of start the podcast, we got a whole bunch of news to start off with. But I guess we have to start off with the true winners, uh, TJ. And we got to give Jack Coletto some props. Paul Horning Award winner today, the most uh, versatile player in college football. Jack Coletto, take a bow. I mean, TJ, this award was made for him, right? There's no one else yeah, in it the was. country who could have, you know, taken his mantle, right? A lot of the people who had won this award, it was a combination of offensive or defensive skill position and then a right. returner, which is versatile in and of itself. For sure. But, it like, the true meaning is the the award, as you said. Like, if truly the most versatile player, I mean, it has to be Jack Leto. He's only one of those guys, the finalists. I was trying to find a list of finalists. I don't know if you have them up. Uh, I, no. I, I can't remember if uh, – I'm, I'm just combing this document really quick to see if I can find it. Um, but I don't I, I don't see all the other finalists on here regardless. Right. You know, the, all the other finalists, all their like other versatile attribute was being a returner. Again, an incredibly valuable attribute if you're a good returner. But it really kind of takes away from the point of Jack Coletto playing on both sides of the ball, playing four different positions, yeah. essentially. Yeah. Linebacker, uh, tight end, fullback and quarterback. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But yeah, it kind of takes away from the, and the, then, the value oh, of him. I'm glad he won it. I'm, I'm and then glad. not to mention all his, spe- all his special teams contributions on top of that, TJ. Right. I mean, you know, he's potential. Right. I think he's one of the guys, um, like one of the first guys in front of the returners on kick returns. I believe he's been on some pump blocks uh, situations this year as well. But real quick, TJ, I don't have the um, the list of finalists, but I do have some past winners. And I got to list off some of these winners just because it's kind of, Kind of, kind of cool, and I think you got to keep it in perspective. So let's mm-hmm. go back to uh, 2012. In the last 10 years, Tavon Austin at West Virginia, pretty, pretty electric dude. He's good. <laughs> uh, this he was guy pretty named, good. This guy named Odell Beckham from from LSU. Don't also know if you heard pretty about good. Him. Don't know if you heard about him. Uh, Shaq Thompson might have heard about his recruiting tour. 
<laughs> Shaq Thompson, uh, linebacker, safety, and running back at UW, been with Carolina Panthers for many, many years now. Uh, this guy named Christian McCaffrey, also, you know, not bad, not bad. Uh, Jabril Peppers, Saquon Barkley, Rondale Moore, uh, Lynn Bowden, Devonta Smith, and Marcus Jones are the winners of the last 10 years. Uh, I think it's safe to say 85, 90 to 100% I need to confirm on some of those other guys are in the NFL. So, right. again, it's not like it's a, a criteria, but let's take this a step further, TJ, because this is fun. Could Jack Coletto be the Taysom Hill for some team? Could be. It takes I me mean, a pretty good athlete. Uh, I don't know if Jack has those wheels per se, but I'm it, just, it, theoretically, like, yes, he could be. Like, do you think he'll yes, get he a serious be. look at the next level? I mean, I only say this because, you know, Jack is, you know, he's redshirt senior. This is it after the bowl game. And, you know, like I said, you throw his name up with all those guys. I'm pretty sure every one of those guys at least got a look at the NFL. Granted, I don't see a um, linebacker slash fullback slash running back amongst that uh, – that group, mm-hmm. except for uh, Jabril Peppers, I guess, fits in that mix uh, a right. little bit. Maybe uh, Christian McCaffrey, Shaq Thompson. But, um, yeah, Lynn, I mean, based Lynn on – Bowden played some quarterback as well. Is he in, so, uh, is, is he, is he in the NFL or, or no? I think so. He would be the one I'm not sure. he might be I'm hurt. Not, gotcha, gotcha. So he'd be the one I'm, I wasn't Pretty sure. Pretty sure he was a giant. But, yeah, for the most part, I mean, just a, uh, an extremely talented list of, of players there, TJ, and – for Jack Coletto to be mentioned in the same kind of breath as those guys, all of whom, which at least got a look or, you know, on contract He's in the Patriot. NFL. Uh, yeah, so there you go. Um, I think that's unbelievably impressive. And I kind of want to live in this world where Jack Coletto could get a serious look at maybe a couple different, like Swiss Army knife kind of positions, the NFL. Could you see it? I could. Those guys are always very valuable, especially special teamers. Like you can make a career in the NFL just, playing special teams for the most part you're not going to get paid the the big bucks but good special teams players are always needed they're key to any really great team so if that's the role that jack cloto carves out great if he decides to be a fullback great maybe he wants to bulk up and become a blocking tight end okay i'm not sure if he would make it as a linebacker because especially since he sort of saw his snaps go down as the season went on at that linebacker spot Right. So I don't know about that. But, you know, there, there's always a chance he's going to work out. He's going to try and impress some scouts. And I think, you know, if he finds the right fit, it would be valuable for him. A uh, stat here from the, the the Horning Award release. First FBS player since 2013 to record at least 10 tackles, catch at least one pass, throw for at least one completion, and rush for at least one score in the same Yeah. Season. Well, and here's the int- – that, that, that is interesting. And here's the interesting kick with it, too, is what we know about Jack Coletto – uh, TJ, uh, he's a mechanical engineering major. Even if he didn't decide to do football, Jack Colotto is one of those guys. I have a feeling will succeed in whatever he does in life. Period. Mm-hmm. Like it's like yeah. the Midas touch, right? Like it's going to gold wherever yeah. he goes. Lucrative like, career. He's a smart cookie, right? You you have to be to be in the quarterback room, the linebacker room, and then apparently uh, managing a mechanical engineering degree. I mean, don't get me wrong. Uh, I I went to Oregon State too, but I certainly wasn't majoring uh, in engineering. So that's that's a whole different uh, level of impressiveness. So again, props to Jack Coletto. You know, big time award, uh, big time notoriety too. TJ for Oregon State in some ways too, because you look at some of the names on that list. Do you you know that could certainly just help the exposure, right? It could, yeah. 
Well, you look at that list, you're seeing first round picks, you're seeing Heisman finalists, you're seeing right. Heisman winners on there, Devontae Smith of twenty twenty. Yeah, that's pretty that's pretty so, cool. He's part of he's part of that group now. That that, group. F, that fraternity it's, is like twelve. Yeah. Because the because the award I think started in twenty ten, so it's a really short fraternity. Dude, I go hang out and rub shoulders with some guys in that group. So you know, I would imagine some of those guys a, will be. Go ahead. You know, they have the they have the Heisman house. They need a hoarding yeah. house too. I, <laughs> I love it. Doctor Pepper. No, I mean, Doctor Pepper should do that one too. Put Jack yeah. in there. Right. No, that'd be awesome. I, I was reading something that he'll get honored in March. So I would be willing to bet that with that timeline, TJ, a whole bunch of those former winners are probably going to be there while they honor Jack. So it could be a super special moment for Jack. So again, the journey that he has, I remember when, you know, he came in as a quarterback in 2018, seems like a long time ago and his journey has been incredible, but not the only bit of news. Uh, also uh, a couple other things to get to. Let's start with the PAC 12 awards, TJ. Jonathan Smith has been named the co-coach of the year with Kalen DeBoer sharing the honor while Damian Martinez takes home the offensive freshman of the year. Uh, We'll get to some of the other guys that were uh, mentioned as well, but just right off the bat, how impressive, particularly for Jonathan. We know that's a job well-deserved in many, many aspects. I mean, to win nine games at Oregon State, uh, it's impressive to be on the the doorstep of 10. Uh, And then Damian Martinez, I mean – I don't really know if there was a freshman who was effect- as effective as him uh, in the conference this year. No, there wasn't. Really happy for Damian. That was that was sort of a slam dunk, especially when he got yeah. rolling towards the end of the year. As soon as he sees that starting role, you kind of saw like, yeah, he's he's going to win yeah. this award. Right for Jonathan, I I don't have a strong opinion that he that he should have been the you know the unanimous. Uh, we see him every day, right? I'm, I don't think it would have been the wrong decision to choose either Kalen DeBoer or or right. uh, Jonathan Smith as Pac-12 Coach of the Year. I mean, remember, if USC doesn't lose in the Pac-12 championship game, Kalen DeBoer in his first season is going to a Rose Bowl, right? That's that's pretty impressive. Yeah. And when these two head coaches faced off, yeah, DeBoer, DeBoer did win. It doesn't yeah. ultimately boil down to that. But both did just be yeah. impressive jobs, like really impressive jobs. So I'm I'm happy for Jonathan though. I, does he get half a trophy, or does he get a? Photo? Well, um, I don't think he gets half a trophy, TJ, but he does get to a twenty five thousand dollar contract bonus for uh, being Pac twelve oh, Coach of the Year. So that'll make that, uh, that he'll take that he'll take that Christmas Christmas in the Smith household will be very lucrative this year. Let me tell you, yeah. they'll be back yes, from the will. bowl game. They'll be back from the bowl game. TJ signing day will already be over. It'll be. Smooth sailing in the Smith household this year right. at Christmas. Let me tell you. The the thing that, that that sort of caught my eye this week, though, and it can't be, like, surprising the disparity between national-level and conference-level awards. It was Lincoln Riley who was getting all the love for National Coach of the Year. And I'm right. sitting there thinking that, and I thought, you know, I thought Lincoln did a pretty good job this year, really did. But I feel like the standard for Coach of the Year at USC is 12-0. and 0. Not yeah. eleven and two, twelve and zero. That like for USC to do that with the guys you're able to get at that program, like to win that award, like I mean USC either would have had to have been like one and eleven last year, yeah, or they would have gone twelve and uh, they would be twelve and zero right now or thirteen and zero in the playoff right now. Yeah, if they were. If Lincoln Riley's going to win Coach of the Year, if they went thirteen and zero, yeah, okay, he's Coach yeah. of the Year. I have no problem with that, but. You know, eleven and two at USC with you know a handpicked transfer portal roster, yeah, uh, or ten and two at Washington with a four and eight roster. I mean, Lincoln Riley and 
Kalen DeBoer both inheriting four and eight rosters from last season. And then Jonathan Smith with, you know, one of the hardest jobs in the country to coach at Oregon State, bringing them to nine and three and potentially 10 and three season. It's just a whole bunch of, you know, juggling there. I kind of separate Jonathan and DeBoer from the bunch because I think it was just a little bit harder for them than it would be for, uh, uh, for good old Lincoln down there in Southern Cal. Yeah, you know, I, it's it's. I, I agree with everything you said. Uh, I think a lot of people, you know, USC is the darlings, right? We we we've 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 come to the point where whether you agree or not, college football is going to get drunk on USC when they're good. That's just that that that's how it is. The overhype, the you know everything about it, and you know that's where I think um, you know Lincoln had a case to maybe be in the mix if they were ever going to do. <laughs> I don't think they'd do more than two coaches, but. Um, only because, you know, like I said, USC was 4-8, and eight, but like you said, a hand-picked transfer portal roster. I think there's also a strong case for Big Wit over in uh, Salt Lake City, Kyle Whittingham, man. Yeah, I didn't even just, mention him. Yeah, I didn't. Just, just proves... <laughs> the, one, a, the guy who actually won the conference. <laughs> just proves again, man, that, like, I don't know, to beat USC twice, to put over, I think it was something like over 80 points on that defense in two games, I get they were... They were not the greatest defense, but what did Oregon State put up on them, you know, in the teens? Um, so I, I think that was impressive. They knew what they were doing for taking out the Trojans. But at the same token, like you said, Washington was dismal last year, arguably the lowest point in the program since they went 0 and 12 in 2008. So there, you know, so that's a part of it too. And then, like you said, I think ultimately when you step back and realize that Corvallis is the hardest place to win of all of them and it's not even close. Uh, compared to like USC and UW, for example. Yeah, that's where I think Jonathan absolutely deserved it. Um, so again, kudos to Jonathan. Uh, kudos to Damian as well. want to run through some of the other mm-hmm. ones as well. Uh, first teamers, uh, Jack Coletto, Anthony Gould, uh, Martinez, as we mentioned, uh, Omar Spates and uh, Rajon Wright. Uh, second teamers, Silas Bolden uh, as a kick returner, uh, Talise Fuaga uh, up on the offensive line, Jaden Grant, and then Joshua Gray uh, up on the O-line as well. And then Handful of honorable mentions, uh, uh, Alex Austin, Ryan Cooper, uh, Kyrie Fisher-Morris, Sean Harrison, uh, Brandon Kipper, Jake Levengood, uh, punter Luke Losher, uh, defensive lineman Sione Lolohea, uh, Kitano Ladapo, James Rawls round out the uh, the honorable mentions. So when when you win nine games, TJ, you're going to have a lot of honorees. And I think that's that's the that's the the best thing about Oregon State here is you've got a lot of guys representing the um, – uh, mm-hmm. representing the conference kind of up and down across the teams. And, you know, this is a, a well, a bunch of well-deserved honors for guys that took that next step. You know, you talk about a program last year that went seven and six, you know, lost the bowl game and was kind of just kind of starting to find its legs. And then this year you go to a team that's on the doorstep of 10. So I think considering all that, uh, you know, kudos to all these guys, all these awards are absolutely deserved. And this is the most – I'm double-checking here because I know Oregon State tweeted out. I believe this is the most awarded Oregon State team of all time. Where is it? Yes. Uh, it. They, 19, they tweeted out. Yeah, 19. So the 19 selections are the most uh, since 2008 when the Beavers had uh, 18. And that Oregon State team in most, 18 – Yeah. Or, or sorry, that Oregon State team in 08, TJ, came up one game short of the Rose Bowl. So – Right. Most – what they say, most most all Pac-12 honorees in modern program history. I don't know where they okay, yeah. cut the line off yeah. there, but yeah, yeah, it's good. It, that is a reflection on the development, mm. not not the yeah. recruiting, the 
development of all these guys. And especially something you didn't even think about, you have two all-conference returners, too. That's rare. Yeah, right. Uh, As your punt and kick returner are both all-conference. And how about the fact that both those guys – That's pretty impactful. How about the fact both those guys are going to be back next year? Right? Right. So now you start kind of starting to think – towards the off season a little bit too. And, and again, we'll, we'll, we'll be saving a bunch of our um, deep portal talk when we bring in our recruiting guy, Dylan, on our early edition of next week's pod. Next week's pod is going to be great too. We're going to be, uh, you know, kind of bowl game deep into the transfer portal too. So you don't want to miss that. Uh, stay tuned to beaversedge.com. But uh, in addition to all that, TJ, a couple more pieces of news uh, just to cross off the, uh, the ledger here. Uh, Damian Martinez and Jack Belling were also uh, freshman all Americans uh, by college football news. Which again, um, you know, first Beavers recognized uh, as first team selections uh, as freshmen uh, since 2019. So just more, um, more war, or just kind of more recognitions. I mean, we kind of knew that Damian Martinez was going to be looked at uh, in a big time light, but to see someone give Jack Belling uh, some love too, I think is cool and can definitely, you know, it kind of shows that they believe he could kind of continue to grow into that player and be that next great Oregon State receiving tight end. And then speaking of tight ends, the uh, the news that uh, Luke Musgrave officially uh, declared for the NFL draft, he joins uh, Rajon Wright as the two Beavers who uh, will not see action in the bowl game. Uh, Rajon uh, uh, obviously going to be out due to uh, due to injury, and then Musgrave, combination of injury or just holding out and not playing to this point, so why would he play in the bowl game? So it's, uh, it's interesting. I, I just want to get your take, TJ, because – We've had a very divided uh, damn board on Luke Musgrave and his decision. Where do you land on that? Well, my first question is, how much NIL money is Luke Musgrave getting? Clearly not enough. Carry on. Right. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> that, that's your answer right there. Yep. Okay. You could talk to a lot of scouts on a lot of teams. Luke Musgrave is going to play in the NFL. So he gets hurt. I don't, we don't know what the injury was. It's hurt in week two. It was probably, uh, what would you guess to me, two-month recovery? Maybe the, what it oh, sounded I like. I think that's what still makes me grit my teeth a little bit, TJ, is I still can – I could go back and find the press conference the following Monday where Jonathan's like, oh, yeah, a week or two. Did he say a week or two? I thought he said he's going to be out uh, – I thought his wording was out for a while but not out for the season. Yeah, which I mean, to me it was, sounds like two months. Well, because for a while there, there was that, there was that. Oh, you know, Musgrave will miss the Montana State game. Maybe he could be back for USC. Maybe he could be back for Utah. And as we, you know, learned that coaches are notoriously, notoriously coy with injuries and getting even more coy. And you know, no, no knock on Jonathan for being coy. He plays the game as good as anybody does. I think that's why he's a successful head coach. But the Beavers, you know, kind of like Chance Nolan just sat on injury information. And that's unfortunately just kind of the way college football is working right now, TJ. Mm -hmm. And until there's more money going into sports betting, particularly in college where the injury piece can significantly impact that, I don't think that's ever going to change, but I think that that could ultimately change it. It could. I usually take the sides of the players and I'm doing that with Luke Musgrave here because for a guy like Luke Musgrave, he's gonna make he's potentially gonna make millions of dollars in the NFL. And if I had yeah. to give gave you the opportunity to go make millions of dollars next year and you had to worry about re-injuring yourself and you're not getting compensated for doing it otherwise, would you do it? No. 
No. And did you do, okay, there we go. That's yeah. the answer. And I know most of the damn board, if there's like, okay, well, you're promised about $5 million next year. But if you, you know, go do your current job, which you have the option to sit out of uh, if you want to, that you don't get paid for, by the way. Oh, if you, you bust up your knee again, you're not getting $5 million. In fact, you will get $1 million instead. You're going to be like, yeah. Oh yeah, I'm gonna sit out. And no, it is, I mean, like it is really yeah. easy. It is really easy to sit in the stands and and tell these players that they're not working hard enough and that they're not uh, they're not like they don't you know they don't care about the program enough. They know like what their goal is when they go play Division One college football at a Power right. Five level. They're trying to go play in the NFL, and when right. you get that opportunity one time, one time you get that opportunity. So I I, I can't blame you know, a guy who's being cautious with an injury he might not trust, yeah. which is what and, it sounded like. I didn't, yeah. I didn't like how Luke landed. Uh, I don't know if it was a hamstring. Cause I thought, I thought he, when he got, came down, he was grabbing his hamstring. Maybe it was his knee. Who knows? Right. But if it was a chance of re-injury. Oh, well the combines in February and you can't right. get ready for the combine. No one's going to watch you work out. What about pro days? Are right. you healthy enough for pro days? Oh, well maybe not. Cause he re-injured it. Uh, right. There's a whole bunch of things you got to take into account. And right. And I when think, all that I, money is sitting out there, you just can't. Right. right. And I think that's that's the elephant in the room is, you know, uh, I, I've heard a whole bunch of people be like, how is let's just use uh, this person. How is a certain quarterback in Eugene thinking of coming back yet Luke Musgrave is going to declare for the NFL? I've heard that posed to me this week, probably two, three times. And as, you know, as materialistic as it sounds, TJ, money. That's what it right. is. Money. You know, what they could, you know what they could pay that theoretical quarterback down the road a lot? They could pay him, you know, he's not going to he be under contract, but they could pay him a million and a half dollars yeah. to come back to So to again, go I'm back not to trying, that university, which would I'm be more trying. than you would make year one in the right. NFL, and, by the way. And again, I'm not, not counting your signing come. bonus, but it would be more. For sure. And I'm not trying to compare and contrast Oregon State with the University of the South. I think that's that's, you know, that's that's tough. And it's and you're going to, excuse me, naturally be at some financial disadvantages. But with all that being said, I just think you have to look at things from a realistic standpoint. And like you said, TJ, I think you ask yourself the question you asked me. And as you posed it to me, yeah, if I was in that position and someone's like, you have the chance to make millions now. And even if, you know, you follow through and he goes undrafted that's still not a knock on his inability to make money. And I say that as, you know, it's a different kind of a slightly different example, but you look at like how Ryan Nall, I believe went undrafted and then, you know, signed on, found a few contracts along the way. Um, The most famous example for Oregon state is I remember very vividly in different sport, but very vividly when a lot of Beaver fans had some really strong opinions about Drew Eubanks declaring early leaving Oregon State for the NBA. Drew Eubanks went undrafted, and it, you know, maybe didn't look great at first, but looking now, TJ, looks like a pretty good decision for Drew Eubanks to be in Portland's rotation, (laughs) right? So sometimes you just have to take a chance, and, you know, for everyone that's listening out there or anyone who's ever worked in sales, right, the betting on yourself aspect, and that is Luke Musgrave saying, I, you know, I, I, I'm betting on me. I'm betting on my ability to do well in the combine. I'm betting on my ability to work harder than everybody else. I'm betting on my work ethic. 
And if it doesn't work out, I live with that. I played college football for four years. So with that, you know, now I, I understand 100% where he's coming from. And I kind of have the same opinion as you that I think you just, you know, honestly say, go get it, kid. And I, I, I hope you do because, you know, he's a talented player. Um, you know, could you, you know, have the opinion? Sure, you'd like to see him back. You'd like to see him be the number one receiving target and maybe win tight end of the year or all these other things. I get that. But if nowadays the great equalizer, it seems, as we're approaching in college football, TJ, is getting guys to push off the draft if there's big-time NIL money. And that, in this case, must not be an option for Luke Musgrave. How much is Michael Penix getting? Or if he is, then Luke Musgrave is just, um, yeah. I mean, it, it, it wouldn't be because he's go. I, I guarantee he's chasing the NFL because he wants a payday. You know, who wouldn't mm-hmm. in that situation? And if there was an equitable payday offered to him, he'd probably return. Um, but no, we were right. joking about it on on Rip on Rip City Mornings this week, TJ. I guarantee, uh, Boeing insert chairperson board member here is like. Man, you know, I really like that that, that Penix kid. Can I uh, can, can we give him like a cool mill to stay? And they're like, no problem. So I mean, I, I say that kind right. of tongue in cheek. I'm, you know, I'm I'm partially joking, but like, is it? Am I really that far off from what probably went down up there, TJ? There's there's no way he's back without a seven figure deal. I don't think. Yeah, I like, agree. I know he wants to win. He'd probably love to go win a Heisman trophy and, and bring them a Rose Bowl or a playoff appearance, which they could do next year. They year could. two under Kalen DeBoer returning a ton of guys. But, you know, you don't choose, especially as a guy like Michael Penix, who throughout of his career, you can like look at his career. He has had injury after injury yeah. after injury. So many. And he comes to UW and he finally has a full healthy season. Yeah where he plays as well as you almost possibly can uh, as terms of betting on yourself when you go and transfer. Darn right. He's deciding to come back. I mean, think of it. If Michael Penix, if he went into the draft right now, he's probably going in the top three rounds. That nets you a signing bonus of of anywhere from a couple of million to tens of millions, depending on how they view view him. And maybe he gets picked in the first round if they really right. like his arm talent that much. I think he's got an NFL arm. He does. So that's does. not even a question. So if someone walks up to you and is like, hey, you get a million dollars and you can come back and we'll, we'll take you back. Now, something a lot of guys consider. Right? Well, and that's and the thing is, is when I, you I can't blame them for it is when you get offered that TJ. And then the thing that's existed for years for those guys who do come back, is taking out a personal liability insurance policy on yourself ahead of the season, which you'll see guys be like, you know, here's an injury policy in case I have that knee injury that you talked about. Now, again, I just think it's, it's a, it's, it's like a, you know, the, the, the judge scales, right. Waiting both sides. And it's like, if you can offer an injury policy, a bunch of NIL deals and, you know, success, that could maybe lean one player one way, even though like the NFL money is already there. So again, personally, TJ, I don't love that, you know, college football has become this uh, business. You know, I think it will eventually take some of the shine out of the you know sport that we love, but it's kind of like, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just kind of like how society progresses, right? It's like, you can either be a stick in the mud and try to fight upstream and be like, this hasn't, it, this isn't how it is. This isn't how it is. Or you try to say, okay, this is the new reality. 
and figure out how it's best to support your university, right? And I think that's where Oregon State needs to shift their thinking of maybe we're not going to be the best at this and maybe we're never going to have the resources to be the best at this. But we have people that care enough about the football program. We should be able to at least be competitive. And I think that's the gap Oregon State has to close, DJ. We'll get into this more next week. But this is sort of just teasing what we're going to talk about a little bit. It's going to be a great uh, Like you said, not, not, getting, not getting left behind. I counted before the show. There are 71 FBS quarterbacks in the transfer portal. 71. Mm. The good ones are going to require money. And if Oregon State wants to take that next step forward, we keep hearing the stock. They're going to need a quarterback in the transfer portal. They're yes. going to need one. And that, that might require you paying money. And we are, I just heard a lot this fall about, you, like you mentioned, Oregon State is not going to get into the business of, of buying players and putting them in the locker room as they, oh, they make seven, they make six figures. No one else is making anyone. We don't right. want to ruin that dynamic. Right. But that's not going to win you games. Not consistent. I mean, not consistently. Yeah, not. I mean, again, you keep John. Oregon State doesn't want to get left behind. Yeah, seventy-one quarterbacks are sitting there in the portal. Yeah, seventy-one. Yeah, I mean, John seventy available, I guess, because Chance is there. Yeah, I mean, right. No, Jonathan Smith. uh, Chance Nolan comes back, exits the portal, goes to Oregon State. TJ, that would be a discount. Yeah, that would be quite the uh, quite the turn of events. I don't see that happening. Purely tongue in cheek, but uh, no, you're right. And I think you know that's going to be interesting because I think Jonathan Smith is the great equalizer. I think Jonathan Smith and his coaching prowess makes it so you can take some guys that are maybe a little more under recruited and turn them into studs. That's I think what he's great at. But to get over the hump. You need to have that dynamic player at the quarterback position. It's a different game, but I love I will I will say this example, TJ, until the day I don't breathe air anymore. The Cincinnati Bengals before Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals after Joe Burrow. I understand it's the NFL, but even you could throw in Washington before Michael Penix, Washington after Michael Penix, USC before Caleb Williams, USC after Caleb Williams. The quarterback, it it is the position that drives everything else. And if you have a game changer under center at any level, it gives you a chance to win. It gives you a shot, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that Oregon State didn't have this year. What's Oregon State's record if they recruited Michael Penix instead of UW? 10 and 2 at minimum. They they win one more game for sure. Minimum, yeah. Yeah, the ten and two, uh, probably, and you know, probably knocking on the Rose Bowl. So, right, yeah, and, and I think that. Think about where, that. Yeah, just let that simmer, folks. <laughs> let that simmer, and I think it's, I think it's true, and you know, it's, it's going to be interesting because, like you said, we'll be talking about it next week. We'll be bringing on Dylan to uh, really get uh, knee deep into the transfer portal and also talk about the bowl game uh, before I head down there next week. So. TJ, that'll go ahead and put a wrap on this edition of the pod. Like I said, it'll be uh, less than a week before we're back with our next one. We'll be uh, getting uh, back to it early in the week, uh, as I mentioned, with the uh, with the bowl game and whatnot. But, uh, again, to kind of put a bow tie on this one, TJ, a lot of awards for Oregon State, well-deserved, and, uh, you know, some interesting decisions coming up uh, via the transfer portal. And my my overarching point is this. Whether or not you believe JT Daniels was the guy last year, up for debate but Oregon in the portal State, again 
<laughs> but Oregon State, quote unquote, missed on a transfer quarterback last year. They can't miss this year, TJ. Can't miss. Nope. Nope. So with like with putting that giant rock of pressure on the program, it's gonna be interesting to see how it all shakes out. And you know, signing day coming up, obviously signing their 2023 class, beaversedge.com is the place to be. Uh, we got a great promo running on right now. Uh, you can join free for 30 days, get access to all of our premium content from the bowl game. Uh, obviously from signing day as well. So you definitely want to get uh, involved and get on the damn board, talk some conversation. TJ, thanks for joining me as always, man. We'll obviously be back this next week and uh, get uh, deep into the Vegas Bowl, man. It's going to be exciting uh, taking on the uh, the Florida Gators. Let's do it. Hope the Beavers' dice roll up the right way. Yeah. <laughs> Mine too, right? Just trying okay. to think, trying to think of a gambling reference there on the fly, but yeah, I'll yeah. come up with a better one uh, next week. God, yeah, you got some time. You got some time. All right, folks. Well, thanks for listening to us on this edition of the podcast. Uh, we'll be back next week, uh, previewing the bowl game and signing.